another episode of the Disciple Makers Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Stovall, and I'm glad to have you listening to this episode today. Today, we've got Glenn Underhill, Craig Etheridge, and Josh McCaslin talking to us about evangelism strategies. This is actually part two of their series, which you can watch part one in classroom three of the discipleship.org collective. That's discipleship.org slash collective. Sign up for a free account and you can watch that there. Or you can skip back to episode 40 of this season of the podcast if you'd rather listen, which is my preferred method of listening and learning about this kind of stuff. And I'm not just saying that because I run the podcast, but hey, if that's you too, then why not go ahead and click subscribe to our podcast? See what I did there? Little shameless, harmless little plug there. Anywho, let's dive into this episode with Glenn, Craig, and Josh about evangelism strategies. All right. Well, welcome to our recording uh, this afternoon. We're so excited that you're joining us. My name is Glenn Underhill. I am the executive director for Disciple First. Uh, We're a ministry that exists to really help equip leaders uh, to really live, lead, and leverage their influence uh, to igniting movements of multiplication. And so I'm so excited that you're joining us today. I'm excited about the topic uh, that we're talking about, really helping to raise the uh, the evangelistic temperature in your church, which is obviously all wrapped around being a disciple-making church. I've got two guys that I really love and respect and uh, get the joy to work with as well on, on the church staff I'm on. And so I thought I'd take a moment and let them introduce themselves. So Craig, why don't you introduce yourself first, and then we'll uh, pitch it over to, to Josh to introduce himself as well. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Craig Etheridge here. I'm the pastor of First Colleyville Church that's in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. So we're just about five minutes away from the airport, right in the heart of the metro area. And uh, man, we're just working really hard, just like you, to uh, lead every generation to know and follow Jesus. And uh, so it's my joy to, to pastor this church. Also, I'm the founder of Disciple First, and um, so we we take a, a great delight in working with pastors and leaders across the country. In fact, just came back from a training out of state last week where Glenn and I were there with uh, some of our team uh, investing in pastors, and it's our delight to do that. Excited also to be talking about this topic, which I think is is an area that every church could gain some ground evangelistically uh, it with just a few simple steps. And so we're super excited to see that our church has gone from really not being in the game at all from a community engagement standpoint to really leading the way in our immediate area. And so we're super uh, thrilled to have that discussion. So Josh, you want to, and by the way, Hey, it's great to have you, Craig, by the way. Thank you, brother. Uh, so Thank we're you. Here. Uh, so, Hey Josh, why don't you take a minute and introduce yourself as well? All right. And so my name is Josh and I am Josh McCaslin. I'm the community engagement pastor here at First Colleyville. And I love uh, getting to do what I get to do. And so the way that I explain it is um, I get to love people from the street to the seat. Uh, And so I get to love people out in the community and really get to uh, take the gospel out. We get to mobilize our people, get to help train our people in sharing the gospel and having spiritual conversations and planting seeds and helping feed uh, and just love people in the community 
And then uh, I get to help them all the way through our guest services into uh, our worship experiences and really providing an environment that just shows them, hey, this is what a church family, this is what a, uh, a community of believers are like. And uh, it's not just about uh, a production or a show or uh, a worship service, but it's it's a community that gets out and loves people like Jesus does. And so uh, that's that's kind of what I get to do as community engagement. Yeah, that's great. And it is such a joy to work with you, buddy. I'm just uh, excited you're on this uh, this conversation with us. And so, you know, obviously, you know, we've been talking a lot about this. I know as a leadership team here at First Colleyville and and really looking at, you know, across the board, churches are in decline. And probably a, a good portion of that is because we're we're just when we think about making disciples, we often, uh, for whatever reason, don't think of it as it's related to how we uh how we engage people who are far from God. We often think of the back end versus the, you know, that really disciple making is it starts with evangelism and it ends with evangelism. Yeah. And uh, most churches uh, are not seeing people who are far from God um, coming uh, and being a part of, of this process. And so we wanted to really change that equation and uh, at First Colleyville, and it's what we're working with churches to do. So I know that you guys really worked hard at First Colleyville to think about how do we uh, raise the bar uh, at, at, at First Colleyville in order to really reach people who are far from God. Josh, um, in light of that, so why, I mean, you're this, this idea of community engagement pastor, people are, as you said, people are always like, what does that mean? So why community engagement? What, what, what was the, the, the why behind that? Yeah. So community engagement is just, um, it's, it seems like it should be simple for us to be able to say, Hey, let's go out and love our community. Uh, but at churches, especially as you're growing and the bigger that you get and the staff and uh, just the programs that you have, a lot of times it's really hard to mobilize people out into the community with the gospel and do it in a strategic way. Uh, it usually gets choked out by a lot of different reasons, uh, trying to get people in Bible studies or Sunday schools or connect groups, or uh, you're just you're, you're really trying to just... Uh, what I like to call the aquarium sometimes. You're just trying to take care of the aquarium. And then when you step out into the community, a lot of times it just seems like the sea, the deep blue sea, where it just is daunting and there's a ton of need. And where do you start? And then once you start there, man, is it going to be too much? Is it going to take us away from our mission? And so, but at the end of the day, and uh, Jesus and through, you know, the great commandment is just to go and to make disciples and baptizing them. And, and so, man, if we're not going out and we're not, you know, making disciples and sending people out and encouraging people to share their faith and coming to, to a faith in Jesus, then you, man, you're, you're losing the, uh, you're losing the essence of, of really why we do church and why we do the ministry that we do is because of what Jesus has done in our life. And so really trying to get people out there is, is what's important and, uh, and helping them engage the people in which they live and they work and they play. So uh, that's really kind of the why behind we do what we do. Yeah. And I know that that why uh, really impacted 
this idea of what community engagement is and what it's not. Craig, do you have any thoughts on when you think about this idea of community engagement, what is it and what is it not? Yeah. So I I think historically, when you look at community engagement, some people are a little nervous about it because of the um, social gospel implications back in the fifties and sixties, you know, people said, Oh, well, they're engaging their community. And so it was all about social justice or social gospel, but, but not much gospel, right? It was, it was all, all, all social issues, but not much gospel. And you saw a lot of, I mean, back in the fifties and sixties, you saw a lot of churches, even denominations really kind of sell their soul to engaging and caring for the poor and the needy and so on, which is a good thing to do. Jesus said the poor is always with us. And Jesus was certainly compassionate on the poor. And you can't really look at the scriptures, especially the Proverbs with over and over being reminded of God's heart for the poor. Uh, and yet they kind of abandon the gospel with it and they, they've almost replaced it. And we're seeing what, what happened in the sixties and fifties. We're seeing a resurgence of that now with social, social justice issues where a lot of, a lot of these same denominations have kind of lost the gospel. So they're just replacing it with activism, with social activism. So when we talk about community engagement, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about social gospel, social, um, activism uh, necessarily. What we are talking about is connecting with people in your local community that are hurting, uh, that are in need, uh, that serve your local community. And how do we take Jesus to them? How do we build bridges? How do we build relationships? And how do we unapologetically share the hope of the gospel uh, in those relationships? That's what we're talking about. So it's not social justice activism, it is a way to intentionally engage with people outside your building that need the gospel and need to see in tangible ways the love of Christ and and to engage in spiritual conversations. Yeah, and and I think that's so incredibly uh, important uh, to, to understand what it is and what it's not. And because when, when we think about evangelism, obviously we look to Jesus as our model for, for uh, how to, to make and multiply disciples. And as, you know, as you guys were really contemplating this, this idea of community engagement, I know that you were focused on Jesus style of community engagement. So Josh, Mm -hmm. I'd love for you just to kind of unpack that a little bit and just kind of talks us through that. Because again, I want to go, we always want to go back, not what's our idea, but how did Jesus do this community engagement piece really well? Yeah. So I, I mean, he was meeting needs constantly. And, and so very similar to what Craig had said, um, there, there's a place in it for us really going out and seeing what the needs are, hearing what those needs are, and uh, really getting in the, in the mix of the community and learning where we can be involved in that. Uh, but there's also the piece of how do we not just engage in providing the physical needs, but for the spiritual needs as well. And so helping our people go out, not just to give a handouts or just to just to lend a helping hand. It's for us. How do we take our conversations and move them from a place of, hey, getting just to get to know someone 
to uh, helping have these meaningful conversations that lead to spiritual conversations that lead to the gospel, um, that becomes a central focus and a driving point for us as we are going out and helping provide the needs uh, for the community. Because uh, as we know that the physical need, you know, that's a somewhat uh, temporary need, but there's a fit, there's a spiritual need that is an eternal need that that's what we are. Uh, that's what we're, uh, empowered with. That's what we've been given. That's what we've been trusted with is that message. And so we get to go do that. And, uh, but so there's a lot of different ways in which we do that. And I'll tell you this, the community, what we, we have, what we call five pillars in our community. We have businesses, schools, hospitals, law enforcement, um, and first responders and city, uh, city government. Those are the pillars that we've kind of really called the pillars of our community. And those pillars, they want the same thing. They want to provide for the needs of the community. The people that are brokenhearted, that are down, that are out, that are, you know, don't, they don't have much, um, man, when they start to get their needs provided for, then a lot of times their, whatever it is that they're doing, their job becomes a little easier and, uh, you know, and they, they're getting success in their area. So, we like to partner with them and to in, in those pillars and you know helping in making sure that the needs are met in the community um, for the sake of the opportunity to be able to share the gospel and to be able to be able to share the hope that we have that goes beyond just a piece of bread and and so that's kind of a that's that's the five pillars are really important for us in, in our communities. So, so say those five pillars again. Yeah, so businesses, schools, hospitals, law enforcement, and first responders, and city government. Yeah, that's good. You know, every community has got those, right? So no matter where you are, if you're in a small little town, I grew up in a small little town, or whether you're in a big metro, every community has those pillars. And so it's a great way to begin to identify how, who you can start to minister to. Uh, you know, Glenn, I'd like to just kind of back up to the the Jesus style for just a minute. You know, when when you look at at what Jesus did in Luke four and Luke five, uh, you have Jesus has just called his disciples to follow him, and he will make them fishers of men. And he jets out into engaging his community. You know, the first one is he uh, frees the demon possessed man in the synagogue. But after that, everything else happens in the community. You know, he heals the, his mother, Peter's mother-in-law, and then the whole town comes out and, and he's healing and he's ministering. And then he's in the business em, environment when he tells Peter to throw out his net for a catch in the morning and, and he gets a miraculous catch. And, and then he's engaging with the lepers and he's engaging with the crippled man that's roared through the, through the roof. And he's engaging with Matthew and Matthew's coworkers. It's interesting. Jesus didn't say, okay, I'm going to be at XYZ synagogue and everybody come to my synagogue, right? He was out ministering. And I think at the very outset, he was demonstrating to his disciples that you must go. You must go to where people are. You must engage where people are. And uh, somehow in the attractional um, methodology of churches today, it's always about come to us and not us go to you. And I think the there's a balance. There's a come and see but there's also a go and tell. And, uh, you know, I've had people say, well, which is it? And I'm, and I always say, yes, it is both. And I think you have to have a balance in that. And so I, th I do think we see this in Jesus's life, this going, interacting with hurting people, 
uh, meeting them at their need. If it's Jerry's daughter that's dying, if it's a woman that's bleeding, if it's a leper that needs to touch, Jesus is moving out. And his church, if we're following Jesus, then we should have that same outward mentality. I definitely agree with that because you, if as you, you know, as you look throughout the Gospels, you see Jesus interacting with 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 community leaders, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you know, the the royal official, the uh, the, 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 the centurion. I mean, these were, these were community oriented, uh, people that had, uh, uh, needs, uh, and Jesus addressed them specifically and, uh, and, and really probably to the, to the, to the, probably at first the disciples saying, what are you doing? I mean, these, you, why would you ever want to, uh, address these city officials because of who right. they are? Um, but man, he took it head on and he really vested his life into being in the community and really making an impact with people within the community. And, and especially in those five, in those five pillared areas, um, you know, uh, I'd like to jump in just want yeah, make one no, comment, Glenn, um, back when I was in Oklahoma city, we were, the church was in a very, uh, transitional neighborhood. It was very incredibly ethnically diverse, incredibly socioeconomically diverse. I mean, it was just all over the map. And most of the churches in those areas were not thriving. They were dying because they were not engaging in their local community. And I remember when we made a strategic move and it was a risky move to start engaging in the community, not everybody in the church was happy about that. You know, a lot of them kind of like what Josh said, like the aquarium, they don't want to get out into the ocean. And um, they were they were not happy about engaging the community. So I just want to say that on the outset, you know, it sounds really good and certainly biblical, but when you get to actually doing it, sometimes you may find some resistance. But what we, what we did find is when we started to engage engage our local community, prayer walk our neighborhoods, build relationships, meet needs, share the gospel, that what we found is through doing that within a disciple-making framework, we saw incredible growth. We saw more people say, more people come to Christ. I never forget a guy asked me, he said, Craig, if your church shut its doors, would the community even notice that you were gone? And that was a really driving question. And I think every church if it shut its doors, the community should grieve over that, over that, because their that compassion, that love, and that outreach is gone. Uh, for most churches, most folks won't even notice. And so that's a great question, just to ask yourself. You know, would my community know if if we shut our doors? And if not, then hey, there's room to grow. There's opportunity to to get in the game, so to speak, and really begin to engage our community and leverage it. Uh, really well. You know, Josh, I know that one of the things that uh, you guys think about a lot is this uh, this terminology called triangulate. Uh, can you kind of just, I, I know people hear that and they're like, what does that have anything to do with community <laughs> engagement? But I, I love it because I think it, it's a, it, it, you know, language shapes culture. And mm-hmm. obviously this, this word's super important uh, as we're thinking about this, this, uh, the strategy of community engagement so can you just kind of kind of lean into that a little bit for us, kind of kind of uh, unpack it and, and help us understand when we use that word, what does that mean and, and how does that uh, affect community engagement? Yeah, so one of the things that we do, uh, we call it Love Local Week here, and we try to mobilize all of our connect groups 
uh, all of our groups of people to go out and to serve in the community. A lot of times we'll create big events where people can come serve. And, but a lot of times we want our community, uh, our connect groups to really get out in the community and kind of continually do that without us having to, to like organize it for them to where they really take some ownership. Uh, but one of the things that we really do in that environment is to say, Hey, listen, all the, there's all these pillars that we're, we want to work with. And as you are doing an event or as you're doing some service opportunity, look at how you can involve these different pillars. And so businesses are one ways that we triangulate with whatever it is that we are doing. Hey, if you're going to do a car wash for single moms, you know, then, uh, find a local business that has uh, that will maybe uh, donate a free oil change to single moms or uh, a, a place that will actually donate the supplies for uh, the, the, the car wash. And then therefore now you're actually promoting those businesses as well. And then you're, you're also giving those singles moms some great resources. And then all of a sudden now you're, you're really working within, uh, you know, j- just not just staying doing everything yourself and trying to be the hero, right? A lot of times if we can make, you know, other businesses and places in the community, the hero, uh, that, that in return actually, opens up doors to be able to share the gospel more, uh, in a, in a way that people are like, why are you doing it like this? Mm -hmm. Like, why do y'all, why do you care so much? And it gives you an opportunity to just to, you know, to open up into, into different conversations, but we like to use, um, we try to like to, to, to think about, uh, our pillars in the process of whatever it is that we're doing. So like, if we are ever doing a, uh, we just handed out a bunch of backpacks, uh, in our community recently, uh, we want to, our law enforcement was there handing out, um, uh, a kind of goodie bags and stuff too, and shaking the hands in the community. Uh, we had businesses that were donating, uh, waters and supplies and things of that nature. Uh, there's, they're really just, I mean, you almost hit every one of the pillars that we have that were there trying to help in that, uh, in that just opportunity to, to give back, and to give to some under-resourced families. But again, we were serving alongside some of the pillars in our community. And so we just want to, we want to constantly be thinking, not like, hey, how can we do this and help them and then have this agenda of sharing the gospel? It's like, how can we get the community together and make this a good thing for the community so that we not just are sharing with the people who are under-resourced, but we're also sharing with people who are serving our communities on a regular basis as well. Yeah, it's kind of like, Glenn, kind of think of it a triangle, okay? So you have the church up here, you have a partner, which would be a business or a school or a hospital or a fireman or, you know, city government over here, and then you have a need over here. Mm -hmm. And what you want to do is to connect all these three together. So instead of the church is going to meet the need, if we could work with a business to together meet that need then everybody wins because the business wants to give back to the community. They get the promotion out of it. We get the relationship with the business leader as well as the people that we're ministering to. Uh, and then the um, the person that gets the need met also wins because they're getting church to help them, but they're also getting other local partners to help them. So that three, you know, the need, the group that you're trying to service, the church and a, a community partner, which would be a business or go- city government, uh, first responders, that type of thing, schools, 
if you can if you can get those three all involved in a project, then you're really maximizing your impact, and you're 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 doubling up, tripling up your impact and and your influence. So when we talk about triangulate, you know, a lot of times churches just go go mow yards to to help people. That's great, but if you can get somebody else to help buy the gas to mow the yard, then now you've you've got more people involved in the project. You're building more bridges. And also, you know, a lot of times people look at a church and they go, well, the church is only in it for them. And so partnering with a business or with the school or with the fireman or with the policeman to meet a need shows that, hey, we're not in it for us. We're here serving alongside other pillars in our community to bring uh, about something good in our community. And through that, we get to build those relationships. Then after the event's over, you you know the the police officer that you worked with and you can pray for them and minister to them. And there are lots of opportunities. What we found is the more we started engaging our community, the more our community wanted our engagement, looked forward to our engagement, asked us to do more of it. And then that leads to spiritual conversations and questions. And they know they can come to our church because we're going to love them and help them. Yeah, it's been really cool because one of the things I've I've noticed is we're starting to now have local agencies calling and saying, hey, how can we partner together to really impact uh, our community? We we know you can bring a, a great base of volunteers. We have some resources. Let's partner right. together. And man, it has been a beautiful win-win yeah. uh, all the way around. And, and the gospel gets advanced in just yep. really great ways. You know, your people get equipped and mobilized. Uh, you get a chance to, to create um, uh, great uh, conversations and build new relationships with people that uh, we, we might other get to rub shoulders with. And, and, and Jesus really gets lifted up in that whole thing. And it's just so exciting to see and energizing at the same time to come back. I mean, I, I, this last weekend, I'm walking through the hallways and I'm listening to some of our connect groups talk about their experience at this last Love Local project. And man, it was so it was so great to hear the excitement yeah. and the conversations that were happening in the in the intersections and that they were making. And 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 uh, I know that we've even seen and we have we've seen people come uh, as a result of having a a conversation with someone and they've come to church and they're you know and going hey on top of that I know this person and that person and I have lots of other new convers I have lots of other new relationships as a result of that. I want to take a quick break and tell you about something cool happening over at Discipleship.org. It's our Discipleship.org collective. It's an online community for disciples and disciple makers. And if you fit in either one of those categories, then the collective is designed just for you. The website itself is super cool because it's basically like stepping into a virtual church building with a welcome center, an auditorium for our main events, and even classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective with all of its webinars, seminars, ebooks, and even disciple-making assessments for you personally or for your whole church. And this is a community, so you can also have the opportunity to connect with other disciple makers. And while membership is free, there's also a premium access option, which includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So head on over to discipleship.org collective and sign up for your free membership today. 
last question for you guys, and I, I'd love to get both of you to kind of weigh in a little bit on this is, so, you know, we, we've talked about this community engagement piece, and it, it really is a way to, to leverage our ability to increase our, our engagement with people who are far from God, uh, and, and really to help mobilize our people to advance the kingdom uh, in, in, in spiritual ways and conversations and, and so on and so forth. And I'd love to, if someone were just kind of saying, okay, what do we need to do to build a strategy, a, a community engagement strategy? What, what would be some things that you guys would suggest? What some steps, some practical nuts and bolts that they might need to do to get that launched? Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of just chime in from the beginning. Um, one of the things that seems really helpful is to find people in your congregation um, who love Jesus and are passionate about one of those pillars or partners or uh, one of the organizations that you can go and you can mobilize some people to um, and or you can uh, get some resources to or uh, you, you can really just kind of rally around that person and then start that triangulation and all the other things that go along with trying to engage that community. Um, but if there's somebody who's passionate about a certain, you know, hey, ministering in the schools and, and helping in that, then you can kind of start to rally around those people who are passionate about it because they're natural, they're natural champions of that. Um, and normally they are, have a good relationship with that school or the business because they care so much about it. Um, and so I, I found that you listening to those people and then finding ways to be able to get people involved. I also, uh, I, I always talk about the next generation. I find, Hey, can we mobilize people and can we mobilize the next generation too? Um, so is it, is it a place where we can, we can get people out, but not only can we get our, you know, parents and certain people who have time to do it, but can we get some of our kids and our students out there and can they mobilize too to see and understand that, Hey, we, we can, we can serve people outside the church and we can love people and we can start conversations outside the church that are spiritual. And they get to see that and experience that and see how you actually do that. Um, and so uh, that's th- those are just two things right off the bat that I'm looking for is, hey, there's passionate. Is there somebody who's passionate about something in the community that we can rally around? And can we involve every generation? Because that's a part of our, our mission statement, too, is to lead every generation to know and follow Jesus, because I think we can create a culture if we start doing that not just people who are like, Oh yeah, I got time to serve. I like, I like doing community service. You know, it's like, no, we're using it to share the gospel and to have spiritual conversations and to spiritually invest in people. Uh, that, that there's something different about that. You know, Mm, that's good. You know, um, uh, Josh, one of the things that you said that I thought was really good is, you know, one place you can start is just who is already in your church that's fired up about an, uh, you know, uh, an element in your community that you can serve. You know, that's a great spot to look in uh, first. I also think another good thing to do is to look out and that is to just scout your area. When we, when we say, we talk about pillars and then we talk about partners. So it might be good to, to list off 
what are the pillars in your church? I mean, in your community, are there local schools that you can engage with? Are there police and, and first responders you can engage with? Are there businesses you can engage with? Are there uh, city government hospitals? You know, you might just go through and make a list of who those are. If you're in a small community, then you may only have a few of those, but you may, you, your larger one, you may have more, but which ones of those are available and go out and actually meeting these people and finding out who they are, who the principal in the school and the elementary school. And uh, it, it really requires you just getting out of the office and meeting these people. I know when we did this in Oklahoma city, I had to get out and meet the principal across the street. And that just began a snowball of community ministry. So I think just getting out and meeting these people that are the pillars of your community is a great thing to do. And then also look for partners. Partners are nonprofits that are in your area. They're already focused on meeting needs. Those communities have some ministry in them to homeless or to single moms or to crisis pregnancy or things like that. Go and meet them. And find out what they're doing and, and how good they're doing. You may not need to re, reinvent the wheel. You may just need to partner, triangulate with them. You know, they can surface the need. You can get the school involved in your church. And then, then you're off and running and you don't have to start something from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think looking outward and just scouting, who are my ministry pillars? Who are my ministry partners that I feel good about? I'm in lockstep with theologically and what they're doing. And then let's you start to think, how can we work together uh, for the greatest good? And uh, so I think that's one thing I would contribute is scout your area. And then second thing I would say is uh, I w- we, we like to develop GO teams. GO stands for Gospel Outreach Teams. So let's say we're going to mobilize uh, one of our groups to go paint a house. All right, that's a great project. We're going to be out there. We've, we're triangulating. We've got some local businesses, a Lowe's or a Home Depot that's donating the rollers and donating the paint. Our local partner has uh, said, here's a house that needs it. We're involved. So we've got it all going on and we're out there painting this house and we're showing them the love of Jesus. We're praying for them. But if everybody is, worked on the, is working on the house, then nobody's really taking advantage of talking to the neighbor and talking to people who are walking by and having those spiritual conversations. So we like to have just two or three people in a gospel outreach team and their job while the event is going on is only to engage people in spiritual conversations. And then the team gets to gather up and they say, man, here are all the conversations we had. They can believe what we were doing. And they realize it's a whole team effort, right? Some are working, some are talking, you know, some are rolling on paint, some are sharing the gospel, but we're all doing it together as a team. And um, what we found is you can really make sure it doesn't turn into just social gospel or, or uh, activism, but it's really about building those bridges and sharing the gospel. And, and those are just practical things you can do that will really take you to the next level. Yeah, you know, and one of the things I, I, you know, I keep hearing is, you know, how this idea of constantly um, mobilizing people. And when Jesus was really trying to, to train up and to raise up his, his team, his ministry team to, to know how to fish for men, I, I, I keep hearing this come up over and over, uh, this idea of, you know, the mobilization of people uh, yeah. within your body. It's on the job training, I, I guess, so to speak, right? And and so can can you because I see that as being a powerful principle to all of this strategy is that really remember that your outreach is an opportunity to mobilize your people because you're using it to train them to 
to now leverage that and go into their circles of concern and be able to utilize the same uh, things that you're really working them through to do where, where they live, learn, work, and play. Can you guys unpack that a little bit? Because I think that in an essence is what we're not only this, but it then it influences the way they live out the gospel in their circles of concern. Yeah. I mean, I, I love how, you know, Jesus took a fisherman or a doctor or a tax collector, and then now they were the ones that were now like advancing the gospel. They were the disciples that were moving. They were influential in their, in whatever their area was. And they know what was going on in that. And now they are the ones that are taking the gospel to those areas. And so we found that as we have started to build this community engagement, that um, we're definitely helping meet the needs, but there's these leaders that are in the community that are rising up, that are helping uh, take and mobilize and being what we call team leads, uh, that they are, they're leading these, these movements into different places and they're including leadership. They're doing some of the triangulation. They're doing some of the networking and, and bringing other leaders along and helping these events or helping meet needs even above and beyond what we would, what we even asked for because they, they get it uh, because it's, it's different. And so I, I, I think that the more that we push people out and we allow leaders to, to, to lead out in investing in the community, then uh, when they're sitting by each other, listening to a sermon or they're sitting in a connect group, hearing the word together, it just stirs them up more to go, hey, how can we go out and how can we make a bigger difference together with, with the leaders that we have around us? Um, and not almost, a, I feel like a lot of times we feel like it's we almost shame them into going out into the gospel. Like, I need to go out and share more. I need to go out. Instead of being a part of some a group, a, a movement of people who are sharing their lives together, sharing the testimony of how God's changed them. And then, and creating that environment when they go out and serve, it's like, man, these people are different. Why are these people different? Why are they, why do they love cooking, you know, a thousand hot dogs and hamburgers and when it's, you know, 95 degrees outside in the middle of the day, you know, like, why are they, why are they so happy to do this? Uh, and, or why are they parking thousands of cars, you know, in, in the middle of the day, which just all those things just happened. It's because there's something different right in them that's saying, hey, this is important, you know, and um, and but they're doing it together. I guess that's the, the main gist of it. So. Yeah. You know, um, mobilizing people uh, out in the community. Uh, I guess, you know, there are times when that can maybe challenging. Uh, a couple of things I would just encourage pastors to think about is mobilizing groups that already exist. So if you have Sunday school classes or you have what we call connect groups or you already have small groups, we found it just easier to mobilize that group to go as a group and uh, to do a project together than just doing an all call from the platform on Sunday. Hey, I need 200, 200 people, please come. Because people do things in herds, you know, they do things in their group. They're already in community. And so you kind of leverage the, their influence uh, as a class leader, the group leader. If he goes, yeah, we're going to do it, then everybody will do it together. And you can mobilize a lot more people that way. Plus, that's the community that they're in. That's that's where they're growing. That's where they're being stretched and fed the word and discipled. And so 
that's a great team to go out and serve together and then come back and debrief and grow together. So I just a very practical thing to do is when it comes to mobilization, look for the groups that already exist, get the leaders on board, get their vision uh, aligned, and then you'll mobilize more people that way. Yeah. It really becomes a, a, a way to model for them how to fish, fish for people in their other fishing pools that God's put them in. So it's right. It's a, it's a great, it's serving the community, but it's also engaging them in low level opportunities, which then will hopefully motivate and compel them to, to really up their evangelistic temperature and their areas of concern uh, because now they're trained to mobilize and they've been doing it and, and putting it into practice. Yeah. And you know, Glenn, I think another thing that's really great is when people start to do this, it becomes contagious. When you tell the story on the platform, you show the video of how many people were out, people instinctively are glad they did that. I mean, it just makes sense that we're doing something good for for our community and that's a very positive thing. But it people will start to to say, hey, we're not just going to go do that twice a year. We're going to go once a month, you know, they're going to start going off on their own. I mean, Josh can tell you, and they're going to start start running with it. And I tell you, we've had ministries, ongoing ministries grow up out of our church uh, to meet people's needs because it started with one person or a couple of people uh, getting involved and it just grew and grew and grew, you know? So we, we're, we're ministering to, um, we have a whole group of women that ministered to um, women in the sex industry that are, you know, in clubs and, and they go out and they in, in there and minister to them and bring them out. And that's an incredible ministry. We have a group that ministers to people that are just being released from prison. And I ran into one of our key leaders Sunday and he goes, man, I need two Bibles. I go, what do you need Bibles for? And he goes, I, I'm going to this facility and then I'm going over to this facility and I'm teaching them how to read the word. I'm like, Man, God bless you. You know, he's not—he's not warming the pew on Sunday. He's out there doing the work. Right. Man, how would you like it if you had a bunch of guys like that? I mean, that's yeah, Butch, Butch. By the way, I told him to steal two of the pew Bibles out of our out of our church. <laughs> I caught him. That's right, man. That's what they're there for. <laughs> at the front door. That's right. So I mean, take all the way. <laughs> that's the kind of uh, that's the kind of momentum you're going to build when you start to engage the community now. Evangelism isn't so scary because you're out there with people. There, these opportunities are just coming to you. And I think, uh, like Josh said, that it's better to do it together than just individually. And so this is an easy way for them to engage uh, together. Yeah, this is great. Guys, thank you for your time. Uh, it's always a pleasure to hang out with you guys and talk about things that uh, about, about this whole idea of community engagement. And, mm-hmm. um, and so thank you again for taking your time. And for those of you been watching, we hope that this has been extremely helpful for you. You know, at Disciple First, our heart really is to come alongside and to to really help you uh, really develop a culture of disciple making. And and if we can be of any help helping you take next steps, please visit our website. It's www.disciplefirst.com. It's a great, uh, there's great resources, links. Feel free to contact us. We'd love to help you think through this piece of community engagement and how you might continue to increase uh, your evangelistic temperature. Uh, Because again, Jesus did say to go, and that first verb there in making disciples is you got to be with people who are far from God, right? And uh, and and being around them and being with them. And you know, Jesus was called the friend of sinners, and we want to we want to be the same thing uh, to people who are 
distant and far from God and really help them take next steps to, to Christ. So again, guys, thank you and uh, look forward to uh, any further conversations with you people that are out there. Thanks again and have a great day. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Make sure you tune in next week. I'll be dropping another episode on Monday as well as Wednesday morning. I want to remind you that we do have a National Disciple Making Forum coming up November 4th and 5th this year, 2021, in Nashville, Tennessee. You can go over to discipleship.org to purchase your tickets today. Make sure you do that. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening this week, and I'll see you next week on the new episodes. Have a good one.